Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Resurrection City Church. This is your first time worshiping with us on a Sunday morning, whether here or uh, watching online. Just want to say welcome to you. Thanks for being here with us on this snowy uh, COVID Sunday morning. Um, It is uh, a blessing to be with you all. To be able to, I just think it's it's a blessing that we get to be together uh, despite everything that's going on in the world. And, and I'm just thankful for all of you and, and appreciative that we are able to do this. Um, um, even though it's not the, the full way that we, we might hope every Sunday, it's still, it is better than nothing. So thankful for that right now. My name is Joel. I don't think I said that. I'm, I'm one of the pastors here at Res City in case it is your first time. And I am thankful to have you here with us. Now we are going to be continuing on in our vision and mission series here. It's actually the last Sunday that we will be going through this as a church. And next week, I just want to give a little plug for this. I'm really excited. We're going to be spending most of the spring going through a wisdom series. Um, The Bible has a lot to say about what wisdom is. And in fact, there are several books in the Old Testament that are pretty specifically dedicated to it. And so uh, I think it's important for us to be asking what does wisdom look like? I think a lot of us are asking, what does wisdom look like? What, what does wisdom from God look like as I approach all of these different situations that you know, are being thrown at me constantly? How do I honor God with good wisdom in, in those situations? And so we're going to spend some time walking through uh, each of those books um, that, that deal with wisdom in the Old Testament starting next week. So I'm really excited for that. Hope you'll join us um, for that series. But like I said, we are going to be finishing up this vision and mission series. Now, what I want to do to start off the sermon today is I want to talk a little bit about purpose. Now, this is a basic question, I think, pretty much like from birth, like we're, we're set on by society, this kind of search for what is our purpose. We ask ourselves questions like, what do I love doing? What, what did I get put on earth to do? What am I meant to do? We use words like calling sometimes to describe this. And, and it's, a, it's a big part of what it means, I think, to grow up in America, is asking about, what is my purpose? What is this, what, you know, it's like a great search that we find ourselves often. Some people seem like they figured out right away. Other people spend a long time trying to figure out what, what their purpose is. What is the thing that they, that they are called to do in this world? I think we as Christians, we talk about this a lot too. This is not something that is just outside the church that you hear these types of questions being asked. And I think it's good that we ask these questions, but one thing I I think that we fail to do when we ask this question as Christians is we kind of take the question of what's my purpose, we set that over here, and then we take the gospel and we kind of we kind of divide them from each other. We, we kind of don't think about the ways in which the gospel itself, the kind of center to what it means to be a Christian and, and to what we believe and what we base our lives on has to do with this question of what is my purpose. I, I think it's because sometimes we have a, a view of the gospel that it, it's, it's just about what happens to me after I die, and that's certainly true, but there's more to it than that. But when we only think about the gospel that way, a lot of times we can think, well, What I got to do in regards to the gospel after I believe in Jesus the rest of my life is just try to make sure I don't do something to lose my salvation. And then we kind of ask the question, you know, what's my purpose aside from that? And we think, while I'm here, you know, trying to, you know, on the road till, till I finally enter that, enter heaven or whatever it is, I'll figure out what my purpose is and just make the best time, the best of the time that I'm in right now. 
Now, I don't think when, when we really understand how the gospel works that we should divide these up. I think that the, these things aren't, are questions of our purpose and the gospel itself are not meant to be divided. Our purpose as Christians is rooted in the gospel itself. The gospel actually gives us purpose, both a, a unique one to each and every single one of us and a shared one for all Christians. And so what, what I want to do is I want to talk a little bit about that. And this, this ties into the, the this, this series we're doing. We've kind of been walking through these different like vision statements or mission statements that we have that we kind of synthesize everything we're trying to do into. And the last one today is serve others. And, and when we talk about our purpose as Christians, th- this is a way you can talk about it, is serving others. So what I want to do today is I want to unpack and I want to talk about how each, we each have the same and yet different purpose in Christ, which is to serve out of love like Jesus. And I want to do it by walking through a couple of different passages in the Bible. First, we'll do Ephesians 2, 1 to 10. That'll be kind of the heart of the message today. And we'll kind of close talking in 1 John 4 and talking about love as our sort of motivator for service. So let's get into it. Let's talk uh, Ephesians 2, and we'll start in verse 1 through verse 3 here. Now this is the Apostle Paul he's writing to the church in Ephesus, and he says, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world, and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. Now, this is a famous passage of scripture. This is one um, that I'm sure many of you have read before. Maybe you're very familiar with it. Um, But maybe you've never thought about it like this. And this kind of struck me recently when I was reading reading this passage this is like a zombie movie that this is describing here, okay? Let, let, me, explain, let me explain what I mean. Uh, zombies are people that are sort of dead to true life, but still have a life in this sort of dead state, right? They, they still are, are walking around, and they're trying to eat brains or flesh or whatever it is, right? And that's their purpose, right? The purpose of zombies is to go out and to sort of satisfy these urges for, uh, or these cravings that they have for, for eating other humans, right? I don't understand why zombies only eat other humans, but that's what they do. Um, also, if you know me, you know I really hate zombie movies and they freak me out. And I really only have nightmares about one thing and it's actually zombies, okay? I d- don't ask me why, but I, so it, it's hard for me to talk about zombies this morning, but I'm doing it because I love you all so much, all right? <laughs> it's a total side note. But, but okay, zombies, right? They have this sort of pseudo life as they go out and they're trying to satisfy their cravings and that's their life. That's what animates them. Now, you could, you could say that it's their, their purpose, right? To kind of go back to that word we're using before. Now, Paul, here's what Paul is saying. He's saying that we were zombies. Before we received this new life in Christ, we were zombies. We were, we were under this reign of death. We were dead to real life. And our purpose sort of came back to that, sort of uh, satisfying, you could use the words worshiping or loving, our urges. That's what Paul says, gratifying the cravings and desires of our flesh. And this sort of just animates us, it animated us, it gave us life. And our cravings can be all sorts of different things, right? It could be some of these very American-style cravings or visions of what, what good life looks like. 
rooted in comfort or freedom or self-sufficiency. It could be rooted in glory, a sort of uh, seeking out of praise and the, and the false righteousness that comes with that. Um, it, it could be in the, the sort of the, the, the typical unholy trinity of, of gods that we, people have worshipped for centuries. Money, sex, power have animated many, many people and have been the central desire of so many people throughout history. Whatever it is, these things led us on. Now, it doesn't mean that we weren't capable of good actions or selfless thoughts, right? Sometimes seeking out our cravings leads us to do good things in the world, okay? So Paul's not necessarily saying that, but even when that happens, at best, our motives were confused. They're never as pure as we thought they were, and always at some, somewhere in there is some desire we're seeking out that wasn't going to lead us to true life, okay? But that was the goal, was, was trying to attain a form of life but unable to do so because the things that we chase after eventually lead to death themselves and keep us from finding the true life in Jesus. Now, in some zombie movies are different. I, you know, I hate zombie movies, but I still have watched a bunch of them. I don't know why, okay. But I know enough about them that like you get different types of zombie movies, right? And some of them, they're kind of harmless, right? They kind of move slowly, right? And they just it's easy to outrun them. They're kind of, you kind of pity them. They're not that scary, right? Um, and and, and they, they walk slowly and, and you don't, you know, they're not really a, a concern. Their desire to eat flesh is not really a huge concern to the, you know, the non-zombie people that are at the center of the movie. But some of them, right, and this is, this is why I really don't like zombie movies, is like, they're terrifying, right? They're coordinated. They're, they're lethal. They're just bloodthirsty as they're chasing after people, right? They're, they're anything but harmless, Right? You get these two, two types of zombies. And I think what, what Paul's describing here and, and us in this sort, of, this sort of state that Paul's talking about is like that too. See, some people chasing after their desires aren't necessarily harming anyone else, but it still sort of keeps them from finding true life. Other people, though, their search for what they desire has devastating impact on the people around them, right? Some of the worst people in history, we could say that about. A lot of the, the pain in, in, in the societies that we live in, have lived in throughout history, have been done by people in a very coordinated effort, working to fulfill their own desires and bringing great harm and devastation to the rest of the world, all right? So, whichever one it is, right, searching after these, these desires, that was our purpose. That's what Paul is saying. And this is important for us to understand. That was our purpose. And, and, and so that's where we were at this one point. But Paul says that there is more to the story for us. And here he continues on in verses four through nine. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace that you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. In order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace, expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace that you've been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. So here's what Paul is saying here. Jesus saves us by 
making us alive. It's, it's, it's resurrection that's taking place here, right? If you fit it into the context of, of what Paul has been saying here, he's talking about dead people who are now alive. It, it, the resurrection is the right word to use here. It's a spiritual resurrection, right? It's not a physical one like we, will, we can look forward to if we're in Christ, like the one that Jesus himself had uh, when he was raised from the dead, but it is, it is something that takes something that was dead and makes it alive again. So we have had a resurrection in Christ. And it happens by something called grace. And grace is just this gift that we don't deserve. It's something that is unfitting of dead things, but is given to them despite that. It's a status change. It's an identity change. It is taking this thing that was defined by being dead and is now itself alive. Now, let, let's stop here for a second. I think it's, it's before we move on, before we talk about the rest of what Paul has to say here, we have to just draw attention to this, that the, 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 and in glory in the fact that this is all God's work and none of ours, okay? This, is, this has nothing to do with our works, and Paul sort of makes sure we understand that. Dead things can't make themselves alive. So whatever, whatever good works might resonate from the, something that is dead, it has no ability to make it alive again. We have some science people in the room, right? And, and, and so maybe you, you've heard of this thing called the law of biogenesis. Any of you guys heard of this before? Okay, law of biogenesis. It is a, basically it's a scientific principle that says life uh, cannot arise um, from, from non-living material. It has to arise from something that was pre-existing alive already. Okay? Just basically means life can't come from something that is dead. A rock can't create a puppy. Okay? That's the law of biogenesis. You remember it, you know, it by that. But that, that's what's going on here. Paul is talking about a sort of spiritual law of biogenesis. Right? When we were living in the reign of death, no matter how good our works might be, they w- did not have the power to affect new life for us. Only the grace of the gospel given to us in Jesus by his sacrifice for us on the cross and in his resurrection could attain life for us as well. And so God gives us life and as dead people, all we do is accept it. It has nothing to do with our works. However, our works still are important, okay? And Paul's gonna talk about this here in a little bit. And this is where we get into the purpose of salvation, the purpose that God has in making us from dead things into living things. And he says this in verse 10, and this is one of my favorite verses in the whole Bible. Um, and, and I've been, the, the more I reflect on this, especially the more I get to, to reflect on it as, as someone in ministry and trying to think about how to lead other people in the gospel, I come back to this verse over and over and over and over again. So you, you hear me talk about this verse a lot, I think, but I just, it's so good. Here's what Paul says. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Let's kind of go through this kind of point by point. Two, 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 big, two big things here. First of all, Paul says we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus. Now that word handiwork there, it, the Greek word is poema. And if, if you see the spelling of it, this won't, won't surprise you, but it's actually where we get our modern English word for poem from. So it comes from this Greek word poema. So there's a sort of sense that there's, a, there's artwork going on here. Maybe musical, but I think it could be more, more than that too. So when we, when we see that word, that we are God's handiwork, we should be thinking poem or, or artwork or uh, you know, masterpiece. Like that's the imagery that's being described here. It's not just like God built 
you know, a table, you know, like that's supposed to be in the corner and you put stuff on, you don't really notice it. It's something that like God put work into, his craftsmanship, his workmanship. That's what happens to us as we are sort of created or recreated in Christ Jesus to new life. It's we are this sort of, this, this unique creation that God has made. And we are created in Christ Jesus, and this is the second big thing to draw from this, to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So what happens is God sort of create, recreates us into this new handiwork of his, and then there's these good works, these, these things he's prepared in advance for us to, to live and to walk into, all right? So this is why works still matter. They don't attain for us salvation, and they don't keep salvation for us, okay? So you, you'd be reading the verse wrong if you said, if you thought, well, we have to live these good works out in order to keep the grace that has been given to us. No, that, that's not true, okay? We, we walk in, our salvation is secure, but we still are, you know, called by God to walk in these good things that he's prepared for us in advance. Now, there's a couple, couple layers here to the good works. First of all, it's work we all as Christians have. It, it's, it's work that all Christians are called to. These are moral good works, the, the true way to be human, not being zombies, but living humans, obedience to our King Jesus. Like there are, there are things that are expected of all of us that are these, part of these good works. But I think there's more to it than that, too. And, and Paul, for sure, certainly saw himself as having a sort of special path that he walks on, and he seems to hint that he thinks other people have this as well. And I think that's the second part of this, this unique call that we all have. Maybe you could think of it as the unique part you play in the symphony of all Christians playing the music of the gospel, Right? Each of us play a specific instrument within the larger symphony or orchestra that God is, is working in the world that we could think of as, as new creation, the gospel bursting forth into the world, recreating people and bringing life to a place that has been reigned by death. Okay? And, and so this is our purpose here, these, these two things, to, to, to serve God and others as he has served us in these good works, living as this poema, this, this handiwork, this artwork of God that he's created us to be. And, and there's a couple ways, all right? I, so think of it like this, two ways in which we're called to serve others as this. First of all, to serve the people of God through worship, through teaching of the word, through care, through, through prayer. And, and these are the rhythms and the patterns and the habits of the church, okay? So, so part of what, what service we're called to do is to help people grow into conformity with Christ. We talked about this a few weeks ago when we did the sermon on Christian leadership, learning what it looks like to, to be living people, not to be zombies anymore, but to be living people. Because that's all we've known, right? And so we're each called to serve in different ways within the actual church that we're a part of. And that's why it's important to be committed to a church, to be finding ways to serve the church, is because that's what God desires for us. And there's, there's stuff on, on, this, on this slide back here that's, that's you know, not included. There are other things that happen in the church, other ways to serve. Uh, but these are some of the, the main ones. But, and, and, and um, we're gonna move to the second part here in a second, but um, it's important for us that, you know, sometimes the stuff outside the church, the church can seem lame sometimes, right? The church can be lame, let, let, right? And we, maybe we've, we've, we've felt that or we, you know, and you feel like this is kind of boring doing the stuff in the church. L let me just say, before we get to the stuff that's a little more trendy, think mercy and justice and some of the, the social justice work that, that we, we also are called to do as Christians, we can't skip the work of the church, all right? The, the, the church needs to be strong 
in order for us to move on to this outside stuff, okay? So let's not neglect the church of the, the work of the church to get to these other things, okay? But that said, this other stuff is important too, these sort of outward-facing activities for the church. Service is about bringing life where there is none, through mercy, through care of the vulnerable, through justice, through preaching the message of grace, through evangelism, inviting new people to experience this new life. Now, I think for us as Christians, we're called to both of these spheres to serve, okay? So just stop there. Make sure you hear that before I say this next thing. We are all called to do both of these things. But we're each gonna have sort of unique callings within that as well. There are gonna be certain things that we might have a unique focus on. It might be a little bit more church-oriented, and it might be specific in the church, or it might be a little bit more outward-facing oriented and specific to some way of, of, of mercy or justice or evangelism outside the church. And it's important for us, I think it's good for us to discern what that is, what that purpose we have within what God is, the larger thing of what God is doing in the world is. And, and, and some, of, some people are, you know, find this stuff right away. Others, I think it's good for you to continue to discern what that looks like. And I want to talk a little bit about how we can discern that, if it's something that we don't feel like we have a good grasp on. That's kind of what, what I want to talk about for this next part of the sermon. First of all, most important thing, be talking about it with someone else, all right? Be talking about it with a pastor. Julie and I would love to talk with you about this. If this is something you're wrestling through, we would love to have conversations with you about this. Um, but you ha- we have community groups, we have the community of the church that's for this as well. Sort of figuring out, you know, what is my, you know, what is my calling? And, and having that outside voice to speak into us is really helpful, all right? Uh, a lot of times we try to figure this stuff out on our own and newsflash for you, you're not always the best self-evaluator, okay? You might think you're really good at something when you might not be as good at it or you might think you might need help processing through some of these things, okay? So it's, it's good to talk to others about things, right? And so I'm, I'm telling you that's the first place to start. But when you do, I want to talk about four different sort of areas to discern trying to learn about this. And, and I'm going to shout out Ted here. Ted and I, ha- we spent some time in the last year talking through some of these things as well. So w- we really like this sort of pattern, and, and I, I think it'd be fun to, uh, it'd be good to sort of, ideally we would, we, would, we would like to have a ministry at Red City where we're doing this with people, but we're not, we're not quite there yet. COVID has kind of thrown a wrench in some of those things. But ideally we would have a way to walk through these four things with people to discern what God is calling us, where God is calling us to serve through the lens of these four different things. So let me talk about them. First of all, personality, okay? Now, personality is something we probably have a good grasp on. I would be very surprised if anyone sitting in this room or watching this online right now has never taken a personality test. There are so many of them out there, and, and, and a lot of times you do them for work or for college, so it's, and they're very helpful, okay? So it's good to know your personality, okay? Um, it is one piece of the puzzle, but it's a good place to start to figure out what our wiring is, to figure out what sort of motivates us, what our preferences are, what, you know, do we process things by thinking about it or through what we feel? Like, well, where do we, where's our starting point? How do we determine what environments we might flourish in? How do we handle certain outside stimulus that come into us? These personality tests are really, really helpful for figuring that stuff out. Next, next thing I want to talk about is your experience or your story, okay? Your story, no matter what your story has been in your life, is not an accident, 
okay? God is working all things together for the good of those who love him. That's what it says in Romans 8, okay? That means God has been involved in what's going on in your life. That includes hard stuff and great stuff, all right? God is involved in all of it. And I think the path that we're on oftentimes sort of is helpful to indicate what our destination might be. All right? A lot of times you'll find that experiences you've had in your life or things you've gone through are very helpful to help you go out and now serve other people who are going through similar things or who have had a similar story. Right? Your experience with that can sometimes be a calling to a ministry in a certain type of area. So don't neglect it. And this is, includes the good stuff, the fun stuff, the stuff you may have enjoyed doing in your life, but also includes the hard stuff. In fact, if anything, I might say sometimes the hard stuff is even more indicative of what God is calling you to do than the good stuff because real growth happens in the hard places. When we, when we really have to sort of cast ourselves onto God, in the, Old, in the Old Testament, there's a sort of motif of going into the wilderness where, where there is nothing stopping you from fully being with God. God seems, he says at times he desires, he was happy when Israel was in the wilderness because they had nothing to do but to rely on God and to be with him. There were no distractions from the happiness or the good things going on around them. They had nothing else to do but to be with God. And I, I can speak from experience that some of those places of wilderness in my life have been the most formative and most important to sort of help me set what direction I was going on. Okay, so don't neglect the hard things in your lives because I think God oftentimes uses those to sort of help you figure out where he is, what good works he's putting in front of you to kind of go back to Ephesians. All right, next, gifts, your talents, your, your skills. Okay, and, and we, you know, you take strength finders or there's other there's sorts of tests you can take to figure out your skills or your talents, but it, this is a very biblical thing too. The Bible talks about spiritual gifts that each of us are given to be used for the body of Christ. Paul talks about this in several different places. It's a very important part of what he, of his ecclesiology, his vision for what the church is supposed to be. And the word that gets, that gets used for gifts there is actually the same word that we saw in Ephesians to talk about God's grace. It's the same Greek word. So what we're given are these graces by God that are supposed to, uh, you know, that we're supposed to use in the same way that God gives grace to us. Grace is given to us to make us alive and we are called to give grace to other people to help them experience life as well. That's what the, the purpose of these gifts are, okay? They're, they're to bring life to others, to participate with God, not to be used for selfish gain, not to be used to, to, to give, get stuff for ourselves. That's a way that we're tempted to use our, our talents and skills many times is to just profit ourselves. But actually, the reason that God gives them to us, not that you can't use them to help yourself out, but, like, but, but primarily for the service of others. So ask yourself, what gifts do I have? What talents do I have? How can I help other people with them? Not just get ahead in life. And finally, and this is, this is, this is an important one, um, discontent. You could call it your holy discontent. And I, I took this from, uh, from a, a conference I was at where at one of the breakout sessions, someone who had spent some time thinking about how to help people find their purpose or their calling talked about this. And I really, really liked how he, how he used this idea of, of holy discontent. Basically, the idea is, where do I see, when I look out at the world, when I look at the church, where do I feel like I don't see the kingdom yet fully enough there? Where do I feel like I see strongly something is lacking? 
all right? Uh, God, I think, sometimes puts this on our hearts to say, you know, to give you a vision for something that is not quite what it should be. And other people can maybe see that too, but they don't have the sort of, you know, intensity that you might feel to do something about it, all right? That, sometimes that's a bad thing, right? But usually it's a good thing. Usually it's something that God has given us to, um, to, to, to go out and to use to, to call as a call to action for you, to go serve in an area. I think a lot of times we, we might look at a church or we might look at something in the world and we might say, hey, there's a problem over there. Someone should go do something about that problem over there. And we talk about it a lot because we want someone else to go do something about it, okay? Consider that God might be putting that on your heart for you to go do something about it, not to just complain about it and hope someone else does something, all right? I think that's why God gives us that stuff sometimes. Not so we can just complain about it on Twitter or, or, or send angry emails to other people about it, hoping they do something about that. Now, a way to think about this too, maybe this is, is a helpful way to you, for you to do it, is just if you are like, put together a list of all the things a church does, all the things that we do at Res City, like everything, literally from cleaning the sanctuary up on Sunday mornings to preaching or worship, you know, and everything in between. Events that we do, trivia that we do, community groups, all that stuff. Ask yourself, if I'm making a list of the things that I feel like really need to be done, what would I put at the top? And that might be some of the things that you're called to do. Now, you have to remember that all these things are equally important and they work in harmony together. But sometimes the areas you feel like are really important that are, you feel like are neglected might be something God has put on your heart. Just consider that. Just consider that. Now, um, this probably isn't the first sermon, I'm going to guess, if you've been in church for long enough, which most of you have, that you've probably heard sermons about uh, serving others, right? My, my guess is that this is not a mind-blowing concept for you, okay? So uh, I get that. And it won't be the last time you hear us talk about service at Red City either, okay? The, the point is, I think we know this. We get that we're called to serve others. The harder part is sometimes is getting ourselves to do it, getting ourselves to be motivated enough to go out and serve in some, some area. And I think Part of the reason that that's tough for us is because uh, service takes sacrifice. Real, true service, the type of service that's being talked about in the Bible is a kind that takes some sacrifice from us. And we really can't sacrifice, I think, fully, at least the way that we're called to by the example of Jesus, if we're not doing it out of love. All right, so we have to ask ourselves, what's our motivation? Is it love? And is it making us willing to sacrifice things in order to truly go out and serve well? Okay, Sa- service takes sacrifice from us. It takes it, it, different types of sacrifice, some larger, some others. It can take our sacrifice of our time, which we protect. We are so important about our time, right? I think many of us care more about what we do with our time than we do with our money. We're, we feel better about throwing money at a problem than giving our time towards it, okay? But true service takes us being willing to give our time towards something. It takes our uh, resources, whether that is money or, or some other thing we can give. It takes talent, uh, our skills, our gifts. It takes courage sometimes to really go serve well, right? So these are things that we have to sacrifice. And, and, and we, we can sacrifice. It's easier for us to sacrifice when we're motivated by love like Jesus. It's a lot harder for us to sacrifice, though, when we're motivated by fear, okay? When we're motivated by fear, we don't want to give things up because we're afraid of losing those things. Now, John, the apostle, talks about this in 1 John 4, 
He says in verses 18 and 19, there is no fear in love. Perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. And we love because he first loved us. What he's saying is that Jesus has sacrificed himself for us to serve us out of love. That love is the initial move. That, that love is a thing that loves us to the new life that Paul was talking about in Ephesians 2. And we're supposed to follow him in love. We're supposed to respond with, uh, with, by, to his love with our own love, in, in loving Jesus and in serving others by love as well. But a lot of times I think we find ourselves motivated by some sort of fear, some sort of fear that we will lose something that we desire also, that we, maybe we, we idolize, and we fear like the penalty of losing that thing, right? I think that, that's, that, that's, that, that's a way to think about this. We might desire comfort, and so we'll fear service because it makes us uncomfortable, right? And we don't want to sacrifice that comfort for serving others. We're, we fear giving up that comfort. Maybe we desire money and we'll fear service because it will cause us to maybe give up some money or give, a, give away a chance to be making some extra money, right, with our, with our time or whatever. If we desire glory, we might fear service, at least true service, because that puts the attention on the people you're serving and takes it off of you, Right? We have to sacrifice these things in order to truly serve other people. And it's, it's hard to do that when we're motivated by fear. So what I want to do is I want to challenge you as you think about service to be motivated by Christ's love because that will cast out any fear you might be feeling. We can realize that Christ's love is our comfort. And we don't have to fear losing it because it's been given to us freely without having to do anything to earn it. We can realize that Christ's love, not money or sex or power or whatever, whatever other thing we might uh, desire, Christ's love sustains us instead and that gives us life so that we can stand to give those things up in loving obedience to our King. And we re, we re, when we realize that Christ's love has brought us new life, we don't need to fear losing it because he has loved us first and we can follow him in loving sacrificial service and we can let that love cast out any fear we might have. So that's where I want, I want to close it here today, is to get you thinking about that. And as we uh, enter into this time of worship and reflection, our question for you is this. Where is God calling me to serve? And what might be holding me back from serving truly? All right, so I want you to think about those things as we head into a time of worship. I'm going to pray, uh, and then the worship team will come back up, and we will, we will finish with that song. Jesus, we thank you that you loved us first. You loved us enough to sacrifice your own life in order to take us from a state of death into a state of new life and flourishing and joy that comes from being uh, made new by you, from being in relationship with you, from being loved by you, God. I pray that we would know what it looks like uh, to live out that new purpose that we've been given in Christ, in the gospel. You would give us wisdom to discern what that looks like for each and every one of us. Whether it's, it's something we feel like we have a good grasp of already or if it's something that we feel like we are still discerning, we're still learning, God. Give people wisdom. I'm asking you, Lord, to, to know what that looks like and help them to, to, to be motivated by love and not fear so that they can truly go live in uh, the good works that you have called us to, to live out as your um, 
saved and holy uh, artwork, God, that you have created us to be. We thank you, we love you, and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.